My next guest is a renaissance woman in the direct response universe. She runs Damn Good Emails, a daily email newsletter for digital marketers, as well as Damn Good Hustle, an online community for entrepreneurs. As an up-and-coming copywriter, she's also been a part of my company, the email agency, for the past two and a half years. Aside from her digital marketing ventures, she runs her own hip-hop blog and is an aspiring hip-hop artist herself. Her story is nothing shy of fascinating, and I'm very excited for her to get to share it with you. Please welcome Rochelle C. Davis. You live in Austin, which is honestly also a digital, like that's a real digital entrepreneur hub, kind of, right? It's it's kind of become that, I guess, over the last 10 years or so. Yeah, it really has. And the pandemic accelerated it a whole lot more. Like I started getting involved with actually meeting people here and not just working here remotely and flying to like California or Florida. You know, I started getting involved with internet marketing party and other things like that in town and actually meeting entrepreneurs here. And that happened after the pandemic started. And I met so many people that moved from New York or California or other places where there were more restrictions during COVID and stuff like that. And people were moving their businesses to Texas. So that's been great just in terms of networking and meeting people and meeting clients here. And you grew up there, right? I grew up in Northeast Texas. So it's a small town, about 25,000 people is close to Shreveport, Louisiana. It's about five hours away from here, Northeast. That's Austin's in Central Texas. So the parts of Texas are pretty different from each other. And the environment I was in growing up was pretty different from Austin. How long have you lived in Austin? I moved here New Year's, January. So January 1st, 2012. So I've been here for almost... 12 years. Oh, okay. Yeah. So you're pretty much an Austin. Do you consider yourself an Austin person at this point? Yeah. I mean, it's definitely a big part of my identity and just how I do things. And, you know, I I can see myself living somewhere else. I just don't necessarily feel like I need to, you know, Austin has everything that I want and need. And I really like the vibe here. It's, it's really laid back. Yeah. It's, they call it like, what is it? Keep Austin weird. Isn't that a slogan? Yeah, it's also the same slogan for Portland, keep Portland weird. They're kind of alike in a lot of ways, even though I've never actually been to Portland, but just watching Portlandia and, you know, what I've seen and heard from it, it's got a lot of similar vibes. What's weird about Austin? Like, why do they say that? You can just kind of wear whatever you want and not necessarily do whatever you want, but it almost has that vibe. And in a lot of places, you'll have a mix of different people because even though you know, there's a more liberal crowd here. You've still got the cowboys and the conservative gun owners and stuff roaming around too. So sometimes we're all in the same space. So it's kind of interesting. You know, it really is kind of like come come one, come all, you know, everyone's welcome here because we kind of all have to like, you know, figure out how to share the space together. So it's a place where people can come and grow out their armpit hair and not wear deodorant and stuff like that. And no one really cares. And then you kind of fit in with the homeless people a little bit because that, that crowd's growing too. So oh, it's damn. definitely just... Okay. <laughs> That's interesting. <laughs> Sometimes you can't tell if someone's just a South Austin hippie or if they're homeless. Yeah, it's kind of like... Because <laughs> that's kind of the, the culture there. So it's, it's a... You know, I guess it's better then because 
you see someone on the side of the street peddling lemons or something and you don't that just might be their you know their side gig right has it always been that way i wonder because i remember like 10 years ago i think i was there when was i first there i think like yeah 2013 so that would have been about 10 years ago i remember i saw that whole like keep austin weird slogan and i was like what's that about like is it it kind of felt like we're sort of this city in the middle of this more straight lace like maybe a yeah, conservative uh, Texas, but we're going to be sort of that sore thumb that kind of sticks out as kind of the, but I didn't really experience anything that weird. I'm trying to think. I remember a couple things though. I remember I saw like a guy riding a unicycle and that was, I don't think I'd ever seen that before. There was also a kid feeding some squirrels, which that was, I mean, it's just something you don't see that much, I guess, but I don't know if I would call that like, super weird compared to other places i don't know you'll see like drag queens walking around and just people wearing weird stuff and just acting like it's totally normal and i feel like acl the the music festival here is a pretty good representation of it because when you go people will just wear the most ridiculous outfits like platform shoes and just I don't even really know how to explain it. It's just kind of funky. You know, it's got that funky vibe of like, I don't know what I'm wearing and I don't really care. We're just going to show up and have a good time. And, you know, a lot of people smoke weed. It kind of has that sort of connotation to it of just like, we're just going to sit in traffic and smoke some weed and chill out. I remember it had a bit of a little bit of a West Coast type vibe when I was there. Um, And I'm sure it's changed a lot. I'm curious, is the digital side of it the i guess digital entrepreneur or like you know the even like the copywriting world did that start after you were already living in austin like meaning did it become that sort of digital hub later or has it been that way for a really long time i think it started after i lived here i mean definitely the tech scene has been strong since the 90s you know dell's been here and 3m and trying to think of like other huge companies that have been here for quite a while. There's been a huge just flurry of tech companies coming here, I guess, in the last, you know, 10 years or so. But it's already been a a really strong tech culture already. It's just gotten even bigger, which I know is different from copywriting and everything. But I guess my point is, you know, there's been a big kind of business culture here, but just not necessarily with direct response or anything like that. And tech startups are just a totally different world from running a direct response marketing company or anything in direct response. So a lot of times the worlds don't really mix. They don't really like get together. So I definitely felt like I didn't know anybody in copywriting and direct response, you know, until I found them online and saw that they were in my area and asked to meet with them in person. And then they told me about internet marketing party and some other things. And so then I was able to actually make friends in person with you know, media buyers and copywriters and offer owners and people with software companies and stuff like that. Yeah, that's cool. Who have you met? Have you met anyone interesting that that's like in the, I'm trying to think, I know Justin Goff is there. He's kind of a big name in the the copywriting space. Who else? Anybody else like trying to think? I run into Justin Goff and I've gone to one of his events here and like gone to his house and stuff. So that's pretty cool. It's nice to just have people that are in the area. Stefan Georgi's, you know, business partner, Luke Mills was here for a while. I met him at internet marketing party. 
and, you know, hung out with him and just people like that. You know, Eric Panter was here, you know, just really solid, awesome people that, you know, you might know some of them, but I'm not sure if you know all of them. Like David Gonzalez is here and he's the founder of Internet Marketing Party. And he's probably like one of the OG direct response people or, you know, someone who would actually know what copywriting is because he started IMP like 15 years ago. He started in Austin, I believe. So what is probably it's a monthly I don't want to say networking event because it's more like a happy hour for marketers. It's, um, yeah, it's kind of like, you know how, when we go to events and then they have like the bar afterwards at like seven or 8 PM yeah, and then every, and then people get drinks and you talk to the speakers and it's like a little mixer almost, or like a, you know, a way for people to mingle. It's like that, except that's the whole event. And then they do have a speaker for like 15 minutes or so, but the main part of the event is really just like hanging out, you know, they do complimentary drinks if you have a ticket and they do that every single month. They do them in San Diego sometimes now, and I'm sure they're expanding to other places too. I got to look into that internet marketing party. So it's, do you have to like, I'm, I'm assuming it's a membership, right? To be in that. Yeah, it is. It's about 40 bucks a month for you to have a regular ticket and, you know, have a ticket every month. And then they recently started doing like a price increase as it gets closer and closer to the date each month. So it's definitely worth it to have the monthly membership. And then if you have that, you can go to the party. It's like a, one party a month. Yeah, exactly. Is it always at the same place or is it actually, is it is it indoors or outdoors? So when it's hotter, we'll move indoors, which kind of sucks because for the venue that we've been at, it's just like really, really loud. And so you end up kind of going outside, even if it is a little warm. But he has been, David has been, you know, doing different venues. I honestly haven't been to the last two or three, but they've been at different venues for the whole like two years I've been going, two and a half years. I've only personally been to, I think, two different venues, maybe three. One was at the Belmont, I believe. And the other one was like ATX venue or something or the venue. So it's kind of gone back and forth between those, but it sounds like he's playing around with different venues. That's cool. Do you have to like prove that you're an internet marketer to be a part of it? No. So in theory, like anyone could kind of crash the internet marketing party, I guess, if they, maybe they wouldn't want to. I don't know if that's something that people think about crashing, but. They could when Luke Mills was there, cause he's been in Arizona. Actually, I'm not sure if he's still in Arizona now or not. I haven't talked to him in a while, but he would actually bring random people that he would meet just wanting to help them, you know, get into making money and stuff, which I thought was really cool. So he would just like meet somebody and start talking about business stuff and be like, Hey, do you want to come, you know, learn about marketing and learn about making money stuff? So that was really cool. Cause I met people that he brought just being nice. And I think he bought their ticket and got them in and everything like that. So that was pretty cool. Yeah. That's, I think that's something a lot of people don't even realize goes on in, uh, in this sort of like online marketing, you know, digital space, which is that there are like in-person things that you can do. There is some like actual social life. It's not all just like on the computer, right? Like people who aren't involved in, in, you know, internet, stuff in any way like internet marketing or copywriting or what have you i feel like they probably have a perception of it that it's kind of like just all online but there's there's this whole world of you know i guess like internet geeks if you want to call us that that kind of like meet up at these events and stuff what's some like have you been any cool events lately like outside of austin 
Not lately, no. 2023's been fewer events for me, I think. But I mean, I would, I do like events. They can be kind of draining for me. Sometimes I don't really know why, but like, I, I like a one day event. A lot of them go on for like two or three days. Like I already come in because I have insomnia and stuff. So I already come in sleep deprived. Sometimes I literally could not sleep the night before at all. So I'm like sleep deprived. So I act weird. I'm just like, what's going on? I'm in a new place. And then, you know, they give you so much info that your brain's kind of like tired just from like listening all day and like talking to random people. So anyway, I love the events, but yeah, sometimes it can be a lot for me. So, you know, I like kind of the one day or like just the evening events. Yeah. Well, that's cool. To, like, that's an advantage to living in a place like Austin is you can just go to an event like that, you know, on a random Thursday or whatever. But yeah, I remember like a couple years ago now, it's hard to believe it's been that long, but I saw you at an event in California that I had driven to. And I think you had also driven, right? Yeah, I had. Yeah. So you're not doing a whole lot of that these days. It's a little, so, and I agree. It's kind of like, it is draining, especially when it's those types, like that one that we were at was a I think it was like a two day, I think it was Jason Capital and a couple other people, right? Put it on and it was like a, a couple of days of just like, just so many like sessions and like where you had to actually do things like they had you writing stuff and like coming up with like ad creative on the spot and like, and then at the end, you're supposed to go like have dinner and talk to people and stuff. So yeah, I, I get, I, I can feel that, like how it can be draining. I went out to West Hollywood on both of those nights. So I just went off and met random people and had a good time. So I enjoyed that. But yeah, it's hard mm-hmm. because it's like, if you're staying out late socializing, then you got to get up and it's kind of hard. Yeah. And you don't just like, it's not like you can just sit there a lot of times and just zone out. Like you got to actually participate, which is hard. But you get stuff out of it. That's the cool thing. Like you do learn. I don't think I've ever been to an internet marketing event or any event in this space where I didn't take away like something that ended up changing how I do things, like improving my business in some way or or just even my life sometimes. But um, yeah. So what are some of the things like I, I know there's so much that you're doing right now. What do you got going on? Like what are some of the, I guess, like the main projects or like different uh aspects of your business you have going on right now yeah other than client work which has been pretty steady lately and doing emails doing vsls long form copy a lot of youtube ads right now too you know i'm just trying to think about what types of clients i want moving forward or just you know what type of offer i want to have so i can attract clients um through my funnel and everything and not just through i guess social media, just, you know, kind of posting. I mean, I have a good content strategy and I do the networking events, but it's great to have like a, an official funnel, you know, where you're growing your following and you've, you know, just really laid out your offer and stuff like that, if that makes sense. So I've been developing an offer where I'm working with e-com brands, like similarly to stuff we've been working on together and just kind of tweaking that offer and, I'm going to start posting content and posting through my Instagram and running ads on that. So I'm really excited about that. I've been working with Zach Zeller, who was the CEO for Jason Capital and essentially ran these funnels. He calls them social funnels. He ran them for people like Jordan Belfort, Jason Capital, Les Brown, Jay Shetty. So he's got some pretty cool case studies and I'm, I'm really excited to work with him. And it's already helped me 
kind of look at offers a little bit differently and make sure that I'm, I've got my promise clearly identified that it's super specific and that I've identified, you know, the problem that I'm going to solve with my service. So I'm hoping that's going to be more of a consulting offer so that I can still be writing copy, but also have, you know, different tiers of service and have a, a consulting offer that is just really solid and that can bring me some, you know, higher income and stuff like that. So that's one thing I'm working on. And I do have my school group, Damn Good Hustle, that I've been building. Mainly that's just a community for people to like make friends and whether or not I really sell a bunch of stuff there, I'm not really sure at this point, you know, but I have thought about launching a premium podcast there called The Hustle Files because I've been doing my own interviews with people that have been going really well, uh, featuring them in my newsletter. Like you were one of the features, for example, and just really enjoy using those interviews as a way to catch up with people, get ideas and find out what's working in the industry and what's on people's minds in terms of what's going on with marketing and businesses and stuff. So I'm thinking about posting those videos and those interviews inside of my school group. I still haven't officially done it yet, but that is something I might do by the end of the year. And yeah, just cultivating a community where people can make friends and get inspired and get answers that they're looking for. And then I got my daily email, which is probably my biggest pride and joy and my bread and butter in terms of like having something, you know, that I do consistently that I enjoy doing that no matter what, I'm going to do it. And, you know, just kind of something I believe in, which is, you know, having a daily email and building that relationship with your audience. And that's what I hope my clients do. And then I also feel like, you know, I want to be a standard and be an example of somebody who does that too. So some of my emails can be a little weird, but you know, I stand behind the damn good emails name of my company, damn good emails LLC. You know, I really try to provide like a different angle, different way of looking th- looking at things while also giving really great marketing tips, you know, how to build your email list, how to do great email copy, how to make more money with your list and with your online marketing efforts. So, those are probably my big main, you know, my big things right now. That's a lot of things. <laughs> you got like a lot going on. I mean, it, and I I knew that like that's why I wanted to have you on the show. Like I've been seeing you everywhere. It seems like you got a lot going on right now. Is it has it changed? Like it's been kind of a change for you in the last like year or so to like it seems like you've really kind of leveled up in terms of just being everywhere. I think so. I've had people tell me that before. And sometimes it's funny because I feel like I will just be sitting in my room on my computer and, you know, I don't always feel like I'm being as productive as I could be, which is funny. I think that's just a chronic entrepreneur problem because then other people perceive me as like highly productive and like everywhere and, you know, all these things. So I do think I'm leveling up in general and I'm really like finding my path in the industry and like, you know, finding my lane, finding where I'm going to kind of plant my flag. So, you know, it's, it seems to be the email marketing thing, uh, even though I I do write long form copy as well. So I'm doing a few different things and yeah, I'm just really excited about it. And I am looking to build that kind of brand reputation so that people, a lot of people know who I am and, you know, I am seen as a go-to resource in the industry and somebody who's a true expert the VSL thing is cool. Like you, you've done a, have you done a few of those? Yeah, I have I'll, for a lot of supplements. It's been a little while since we've had a copywriter on the show. And I think actually one of the, someone else we had on the show once who was a copywriter was, was like, that was like his main thing was VSLs. It's, I've always felt like, like it's kind of hard, you know what I mean? And VSLs are video sales letters, but like 
you're writing like those are those are real projects like that takes i mean sometimes what like weeks to write those it's just a ton of research right and a lot of like kind of involved in the weeds you know kind of goes on for a while right yeah it can be pretty it can seem like a pretty daunting project especially when you're just starting it and i think it just feels better as you do it and you get a draft completed and each one feels pretty different. I do feel like I've gotten faster at them and kind of have the flow of them down, you know, just after doing a bunch of them. But yeah, the first, when you first do them, they're, they're pretty scary for a lot of people. Do you, you also have been in the studio, right? Where, when they were recording the VSL that you wrote. Yeah. And yeah, so I've been to one in Austin and then recently they did one in Atlanta and I wasn't able to go, but I was, I would have had fun watching that one in Atlanta too. So that is one cool thing is I don't know how many copywriters actually get to, yeah, actually be at the production and see it. But my client is actually, you know, the top VSL producer and editor in the industry. You know, a lot of people regard him as such. So yeah, I've been really lucky and he lives in Austin too. So I've been really lucky to work with him and write for him and then also see the script come to life. Who Who's that? Chris Encarnacion. Okay. Yeah. I think you told us, uh, you told me about that before. It, so like when you go into the studio, the one that you went to, like you're actually seeing them take your finalized script and then they're just recording it. Like, are you there standing by while they're doing it? Yeah. That's what my experience was like. I was watching the expert. He was a doctor, you know, the doctor that I had written into the VSL. He's a, he, you know, he's a doctor in real life. So I was basing some things in the script on, him since you know like sometimes the person in a script isn't always like exactly the same in real life um if that makes sense it's kind of hard to explain i guess if people don't know you know about writing vsls but yeah sometimes you kind of have to like piece together stories and stuff and it doesn't always fit with real life exactly you kind of have to make the script fit with real life in a way but with him he was real and like his name was real and everything and um so that was really cool was just seeing like the, the real person there you know saying my copy and i was like wow yeah this yeah it's, it's pretty it's pretty epic it's kind of surreal i feel like was there ever a point where you were like listening and you were like oh damn that's not what he was supposed to say <laughs> like that happened at all no, he was a really good, I mean, I guess he's not even really an actor, but he was just really good on camera acting the part of himself, essentially. Did they ever ask you to like change stuff like during the production? Like I, I remember, uh, I think it was in like Californication when they had like Hank Moody would be the writer on set and then they would come over to him and be like, yeah, we, we need you to change this. Like he can't say that or whatever. Like, or was that all kind of worked out ahead of time? I mean, there's definitely compliancy language, which I didn't really, I wasn't really involved in that. I wasn't like, you need to say this, you know, that was the director essentially doing all that stuff. But yeah, they, they would just kind of clip little videos of him saying like phrases that were more compliant so that they could kind of patch that in later, something like that. Okay, cool. So I guess I kind of want to get into a little bit about like how you got here, you know, like how you became a copywriter. Cause you're like, at this point, I mean, you're, you're able to, this is your full-time job, right? Like you, you, 
you write, you do all kinds of different copywriting, right? And like you have different clients and some of them it's, it's like email stuff. Sometimes it's, it's more like what we just talked about the VSLs, but it's like, how did you, I guess, like, how did you first get started? Like, what, what were you doing before you were a copywriter? I was a full-time accountant and then Jason Capital ruined my life. <laughs> Why do you say that? Oh, I just said that to be funny. I don't know. Uh, just, I think, you know, a lot of people, they get involved with make money online and, you know, it, just everyone has their own journey into it. I was doing accounting, but I was not happy. So I wasn't exactly looking for something in particular to change into, but I had always wanted to be in business. I'd always had business ideas. I had always been a writer, like I'd written blogs. I had read about how to monetize a blog. So I had read about, you know, monetizing a list. I just, I I didn't really know how to do that. So this was like in 2013, I had a blog on like mental health and I decided to give away a free wristband in exchange for an email address. The only thing is like, I didn't actually have the money to get the wristbands made. So I just kind of said it. And then, all, but all these people went nuts about the wristband. It was like a happy wristband, like a yellow one with like a smiley face or something, maybe with like the name of the website on it or something like that. So people were like, how do I get my wristband <laughs> and all this stuff? And I was just like, whoa, well, this works, but you know, <laughs> I, I, I can't actually send a wristband to anybody. I was broke. I was an accounting intern at that point making not good money. And I was in school. And so after that, I finished up school and I got a full-time accounting job. And um, I mean, looking back, it probably would have been great for me to, you know, stay at that job longer and just build out my freelance career as a copywriter a little bit slower. But, you know, in, in 2018, the middle of 2018, um, I saw a Jason Capital ad on YouTube and that ended up taking me to email income experts so I'd never heard of copywriting before. It's kind of weird to know the person who taught you what the word copywriting is, like what it actually means, because it's now I know like hundreds of copywriters and I've met like, you know, the best copywriters in the world and like all this stuff. And, you know, I've written high converting copy and it's like, I know the person who first told, I heard that word from for the first time, you know, it was Jason Capital. And so, yeah, I did email income experts. I don't think I was as dedicated or motivated to it you know like I don't think I finish the course right away or anything I kind of wish I had just had a little more urgency and you know try to get clients uh, a little bit quicker but I did join his Kaizen mastermind and that helped a lot because I learned how to run Facebook ads and kind of learned about you know running a funnel and having a lead magnet you know he basically had a done for you lead magnet done for us so we just kind of plugged into that system and then I built my first newsletter list through that method as well. Uh, so stuff that I still use today, like these features, he called it the niche newsletter method, I think is what he called it. Uh, I don't know exactly what he called it in Email Income Experts 1.0, but you know, I still use stuff from that first course that I went through Email Income Experts because it was so good. Like most people's courses aren't as good as like, that one was, it was really solid yeah. in terms of like email copywriting and all of the psychology behind it. Cause he's such a nerd about that stuff. So that was a really great foundation. And, you know, I've come back to that material like again and again. So that was great. It, it just, yeah, it took a while to kind of get clients and 
kind of understand other parts of the business. And then in January, 2019, I quit my job, you know, just kind of rapidly. I mean, I wasn't happy doing it. I didn't want to keep doing accounting, but, um, and I had some money saved up and everything, but, you know, over the course of the next few months, you know, my savings ran out. So I drove Uber for a while and, you know, did stuff like that as I was just trying to figure out how to get clients and, you know, get steady income from freelancing. And then, you know, the pandemic happened and yeah, I was just working different jobs and kind of getting some clients here and there. And then when I started working with you guys in 2021 on some projects, you know, that's kind of when things started to pick up too. I just started, people knew who I was more. I started going to like internet marketing party. I started getting clients from either internet marketing party or like Facebook groups uh, I didn't get clients from IMP right away, actually. It was probably like the end of 2021 going into 2022 when I actually got a few clients from Internet Marketing Party and like, you know, live networking stuff. But I would say like I met you, I met you through Facebook groups too, even though we were part of the Jason Capital Network. So a lot of people want to know how to get clients and it's kind of like, well, everyone has their own path. And, you know, if you find a way that works, you can kind of go all in on that. But you know, for me, it was like Facebook groups and networking have kind of been my biggest places where I've gotten clients so far. What do you think it is about copywriting that like draws people in? Like, is it, is it the idea of like, this is something I always think about, like what it, cause I know for me, I kind of got into it almost backwards, like by accident. Like I didn't, it wasn't that part of it. I, I was just trying to have a business and then I learned copywriting but I just wonder what it is for people. Like, is it like the idea of working from your laptop and kind of having that freedom, like not having to answer to anyone, not, you know, maybe getting out of that sort of nine to five kind of thing that people are locked into? Or is it like just the idea of like, you know, that you can make money kind of on your own as an entrepreneur? I'm just curious, like what, what was it for you? That, that drew you in, do you think? I think the people who already are disillusioned with nine to five, or they just know that's not for them, or that they're entrepreneurial, um, or maybe even more creative types, just that don't want to be conventional or traditional necessarily, or they just haven't been happy doing it. I think it probably draws those types of people. And yeah, I think especially back then it was really glamorized and it was just this sexy opportunity for me because I wasn't really drawn to like the mansions and the cars and like the girls and stuff. Like I'm sure there's an element of that that was appealing to me, but I just knew I was looking for a way to, you know, make money with either blogging or emailing or something like that because I had learned that having an email list was really profitable. So I already knew that. So I knew that Jason was right. You know, when I went to the webinar or whatever for email income experts, I was like, he's right. Cause uh, this is stuff that I was starting to learn about, but I didn't know how to do it. And so I felt like he was teaching, you know, how to actually do it and how to write emails that make money and stuff like that. It's just presented just in general, like, you know, it's presented like, Oh, you know, all these companies want people to write emails for them and they'll pay out, you know, 100, 200 plus dollars per email. And it kind of sounds like it's really, really easy to get millions of companies everywhere need this right now. And yeah. like, you're going to make them money on day one with your emails. 
And so that's just a general, like kind of everybody says presents that, that like, I've been thinking about this lately. Like I think marketers are so numb to doing this stuff that they don't realize how, you know, how people hear that and, and really buy into that. And, And you do need that. I mean, you need to buy into, you know, a pathway, but at the same time, it's like, it's disappointing if it doesn't happen for you right away. And it can be pretty discouraging. And so I don't know if there's a better way, you know, to, to tell people how it goes and present an opportunity and show them like the best outcomes at the same time. But, you know, I think marketers are like surprised when people are upset by their marketing and, you know, like you need to take full responsibility for your situation, which is true. And I tell myself that all the time and I tell other people that, but also it's like, we know we're manipulating people's minds here. So it's like, there's that aspect of, you know, we're using influence and persuasion. So maybe we need to take a look at, at how we're doing that a little bit, because, you know, maybe eventually people will have already heard it all and they'll be kind of, you know, fed up with, with all this stuff. I think maybe that's already going on a little bit. Yeah. I think that's an interesting aspect to this industry, especially as it, and I think maybe it's the kind of thing that happens in any industry, like as it starts to, I guess, grow from like an infancy into more of like that toddler stage. You know what I mean? I, it almost feels like the internet marketing world is in like that terrible twos stage right now. Like it's still so new. Um, it's still something that, you know, the average person, vast majority of people have no idea that this exists. Um, but at the same time, it's becoming more of a thing. And I feel like there are all these little problems, right? Like there's all these, like people do get disillusioned. How do you feel like, I mean, just because we're on the topic, like how does someone tell like who's legit, right? Because there's like, there's different gurus, right? There's different, like you're mentioning courses and programs that you did. There's, you know, some people are going to say some kind of crazy claims or like make it seem like, oh, there's there's so much demand for this thing or there's maybe there's there's all this money you can make. And maybe that's somewhat true or whatever. What's sort of your advice for people in terms of like, how do you tell if something's legit or whether maybe it's not? Well, it always helps to have more proof and to have the most authentic looking proof possible. I mean, anyone who's been in marketing knows that there's plenty of ways to manipulate proof and, you know, fool people essentially, or even like completely craft testimonials from scratch. So, uh, you know, and have actors come in and, and shoot those testimonials. So there's plenty of that going on. And I, I think the more aware that someone is and educated, which you may only get by just entering the market and being a customer and, you know, having these years of experience like you and I do, it's kind of like, oh, we know what's going on. You know, now we can kind of filter through things like, do I really need to buy this? Like, I like the idea of this. I'm, it's appealing to me. Like I was checking out a course earlier today or reading the email marketing for it. And I was like, I, I want this because I write this type of copy and this would help me sharpen you know, my tools and stuff. And so I want to do that, but, but I didn't see any proof. I didn't see any case studies from that program. And I was like, Hmm, uh, I know it's good. I know there's good info in there. It, it separated me from the email marketing. Cause I think what happens is we become one with the marketing and we don't realize like we need a filtering process for this stuff. 
and we get like swept up into it and kind of become one with it and like codependent on more information and more courses and more gurus and all this stuff. And so I just was like, wait a second, like, I'm not going to buy something like this right now, even if it can help me. Like, I also don't see any proof. So you just become more educated and you're like, oh, you know, why why didn't they put proof in here? Why aren't they presenting case studies? Because then if I saw that and I saw some other angles that I know to look for, then it might be even harder for me to not buy. And I was already curious because I'm in the market for it. So yeah, I just think, yeah, I just think being a customer and going through it after a while, you, you're not mad anymore. Like some people get mad and they're like, Oh, I didn't get the results that you promised and stuff. And now you're just not necessarily expecting to get those results. Like it's nice if I do, but I'm just here to learn new stuff that I, I can apply to my business now. Going back for a minute to like, sort of how you came into this world you were taking these courses and you were learning this skill and sort of trying to get clients and at the same time you were kind of trying to quit your job right but you still had the job i guess at what point because you said maybe maybe you should have stayed at the job longer i was just curious like at what point did you feel like it was you know it was okay to quit the job and and just try to make it on your own, essentially working on the internet. So there were a ton of people quitting their jobs. Like my friend Kanya also quit her job like the week before or after I did. So it was almost like this like domino effect of a lot of us quitting our jobs and just being like, I'm going to go get copywriting clients today. Like <laughs> we're just like liberating ourselves. And <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Looking back, yeah, it's, it is what it is. It's not like my life, you know, was like, you know, I, I didn't actually ruin my life or anything. That was definitely a joke of just, you know, I was on a traditional path and then I wasn't happy. And then, you know, I'm glad that Jason Capital and people like that were coming along teaching people about, you know, other ways to make a living in the world. Cause you know, it, it just takes people to kind of spread that awareness. I just think a lot of people, they, they just don't know the realities of doing that. And so uh, there were a lot of us that quit our jobs because it was just kind of this movement of like, jobs suck. We're not going to go anymore. Like, we're just not going to do this. I mean, I still resonate with that messaging. It's, it's just like, you know, I'm just not someone who wants to show up at an office every day. After you quit your job and you're, you're going through this, you know, process of learning how to get clients and also like learning the skill of copywriting, and you're you're doing it and you're you know it's it's taken longer than you thought like was there just like a scary moment there or what i guess what was the scariest part about doing that yeah i mean for sure cash flow issues is a big part of business in general like even huge profitable established businesses have cash flow issues and i think that's been probably the biggest thing that i've had to deal with is just like you know, sometimes you you just don't have the cash flow that you need to pay your bills. And that's something that I think a lot of uh, freelancers and not even just freelancers, just people who go into business, regardless of what industry it is, they just have to deal with that. And part of, I think, being an entrepreneur or being somebody that owns a business is just taking on that risk. Like I might run out of money and not know what's going to happen. So I think a lot of us, you know, have that experience of anxiety of either coming really close or, you know, just actually running out and dealing with it. And, you know, I've had that happen before for sure. It's, it's not fun, but you kind of learn like 
life goes on and, you know, you recover from it and like nothing really bad has happened. You're just, you know, you've got to figure out a better, more sustainable way to do business. You were in your 20s when this was happening? Yeah. So I'm 33 now and I was born in 89, late December. So every time that I have a birthday, the year changes a few days later to correspond with my birthday. So I was 29 in 2019 and then I turned 30 in 2020. And, uh, yeah. So 2019 was like my first year, like almost the entire year was my first year. Cause I quit accounting in January. So yeah, I was 29. Did your family, like, did your parents care? Like, were they concerned at all about kind of what you were up to? I'm not sure that my mom understood. Like, I don't think she knows what copywriting is. Um, you know, for the first year, like, I think at the end of that first year, she was kind of like, I still don't understand what you do, which Hmm. is a, like a really common thing that copywriters say, like people really don't understand what we do. And it it gets pretty irritating after a while to try to explain. I just tell people I write advertisements, which is true. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's all an advertisement, whether you're posting the social media or you're sending an email or you're writing an actual Facebook ad or YouTube ad, or you're writing a long form VSL or a sales letter, it's, it's all an advertisement to get people to move forward to buy. So I just started telling people that, but back then I didn't know that language exactly. So I'm not sure exactly what she thought, but um, I mean, I think she was okay with me quitting accounting. I think she would have been happier, you know, with me being a CPA. I don't think she understood why it was taking me like so long to get my CPA because, you know, uh, some people are just, meant for that and they just get it done and knock it out and for me it was it was just kind of dragging on do you have siblings i do i have an older brother and older sister are they like back in marshall or are they like somewhere else or are they with you my sister's in the houston area my brother's been kind of bouncing back and forth for a while and honestly like you know i'm not really close with any of them i haven't really talked to talked to them much in a while so you know, I think that's probably another aspect of this is sometimes there's probably not necessarily that this caused strain on like my relationships, like being an entrepreneur, but I think a lot of entrepreneurs have trouble with their relationships and stuff. And then I think being an entrepreneur can cause problems with relationships because people don't really understand what it is that you're doing. So I've yeah. definitely noticed I've definitely noticed that there's definitely a common trend of like people's parents are narcissists or like, I don't know, people, you know, just they have really troubling relationships with people. So that's another hurdle, I think, or maybe something that, you know, people who are looking to prove something, maybe get into being an entrepreneur. You were talking about earlier, like, what's the appeal of it? It's like, I think a lot of us just really want to like, you know, succeed and maybe overcome some things. And just prove, you know, that that we are valuable. I've kind of noticed that amongst a lot of entrepreneurs. Yeah, no, I, I definitely agree with that. I, I feel like it's, you know, I always ask the question about, you know, the family because it's there. I've never met anyone in this space who doesn't have some kind of, you know, tension there, right? Like if, you know, I, I think it comes from that, like, it is hard when you when you go down a path like this, it's, it's hard to maybe not just get people to understand what you're doing, but I just think that it's, it's different. It's still kind of looked at in such a, you know, almost kind of like 
you're zigging and they're the ones zagging like it's you're you're going in this other way and it's like not the way that every like the path that was laid out for you and i think there's like tension there when you break off so it's kind of hard to but it's but you you kind of always had this this drive it sounds like where you sort of broke away like was there a did your parents growing up have certain expectations and like you know certain like I guess, you know, kind of want you to follow that, that ordinary, you know, go to college, get a job, get married, like that whole path, or were they more like, we'll see how she turns out like. (laughs) Yeah. So my family is pretty well educated in terms of like having advanced degrees, lots of master degree, master's degrees, lots of PhDs. So they kind of had this bias towards like more education and advanced education which I think is awesome. And I'm proud to be from, you know, a family that has a lot of PhDs and professors and stuff like that. But my main point here is, you know, I think they just always kind of assumed that you should go get a master's degree, you should go to grad school. And that's kind of just what a lot of people did. Whereas I have other cousins, like my female cousins, they went to college, and then they met their husband there. And then they got married and then had a family. So they were just kind of like playing the supporting role. Uh, You know, my family's pretty conservative Christian. So I was by far the youngest uh, out of all the cousins, like, you know, my first cousins, I was by far the baby. So I'm just kind of out here, like, you know, I'm not heterosexual and I'm not, you know, I'm left-handed and I like rap music and, you know, my uncles are like farmers and PhDs all rolled in one. So I'm just kind of, it's just kind of this weird mix of values and standards and stuff. Um, But I was never expected, I was never told like, you've got to do this. Uh, I mean, I don't think it would have gone well if I hadn't gone to college and I wanted to go to college. So um, that wasn't a problem. It was just, I didn't really know what to do. Uh, and they weren't like pushing me into any specific path. Um, so mm-hmm. I do feel glad, you know, that I wasn't pressured to be any certain way in terms of like career stuff goes. It was more just like maybe morals or like certain, you know, personal standards that they were a little bit more like, you know, we should be this way and go to church and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, that you know, that was a big part of my life, but, um, I do feel, I am thankful that they kind of left me alone in terms of like, not making me feel bad for, you know, what I do or don't do with my career path. I think they were pretty happy with the accounting thing. It's pretty safe, you know, pretty profitable. It's, it's a, it's a good, it's a good career to choose in terms of, you know, making money and just being solid and stable and stuff. Yeah. So then, you know, this is, is not that right. (laughs) Yeah. But I want to ask this because I I think it's a good point. Like there is sort of this, I guess, maybe not saturation, but there is in, in this industry in copywriting, there's a lot of like, there's so many copywriters in the space talking to copywriters about copywriting, right. And about being a copywriter, you've sort of distinguished yourself with your brand and you're doing a lot of stuff right now with your personal brand, with, uh, you know, the damn good emails and, the uh, your, your podcasting, your blog, like all this different stuff. And I do want to, you know, get into a little bit of that, but like, even just kind of bigger picture, like 
how do you stand out? Like, how do you stand out in this industry, especially as sort of a, you know, a person who's creating a personal brand, right? When, when you've got all this kind of like, I don't know, it just seems like there's so much of this going on out there with copywriters talking to copywriters or talking to people who want to make money online. What was it for you? Like, how did you find your voice, I guess, in this, this world? For me, I think being open-minded about projects that I was working on gave me a broader experience so that I'm more open-minded about doing like damn good hustle and kind of doing things a little bit differently. And I've tried all these different methods with clients, whereas a lot of copywriters have only written copy or they've really only done, you know, certain things that they're not thinking from a marketing strategy mindset. But I always kind of think, you know, people have a few different pathways to build a brand and build a following of people who know who they are, build a reputation. And I kind of just think like accepting that it's going to take at least a year or two, if not longer, and just, you know, being there for the long term. Because if you're really not there for the long term, then it's kind of pointless to be there anyway, because whether you're massively successful or not, you're going to you know, if you have that pathway carved where you're making a ton of money, you're probably going to want to keep doing it. So you're going to be there for the long term. And then if you're not successful right away, but that's what you want to keep doing to get that success, you're going to have to keep going for the long term too. So might as well just accept like whether it works right away or not, and you start banking or not, like just kind of, you know, accept it might take some time. And then, you know, working at an agency or, you know, being an entry level copywriter somewhere uh, that's really good and growing and is doing really well. Like there's been so many companies hiring because then you actually have stable income. You know, there's nothing wrong with actually getting a job or working with an agency and having stable income while they teach you their methods and systems so that you don't have to figure it out all on your own. Uh, I think that's a great way to go. And I do think that meeting you guys in 2021 and learning a lot from you helped me a ton. You know, I've got a a bunch of case studies now from projects we've worked on that's helped me. You know, I'm sure it's helped me get clients and I'm, you know, I use it as proof and I talk about it all the time. So now you have case studies that you didn't have to completely go out and get all on your own. You have people teaching you and guiding Mm you. Um, So, you know, either being someone's right hand man, you know, creating a dream 50 or dream 100, and then just relentlessly following up and, and providing value and figuring out how you can help them until they want to hire you or at least want to, you know, work more with you. I think just putting in that extra effort at the beginning is really helpful because otherwise you're kind of just like wandering around in the dark. Um, you know, going out and, and doing cold email to get clients is always a, a time tested way to get, get clients and get going too. But either way, yeah, at some point you've, You've got to have a few stories and a few case studies you kind of come back to over and over. That's I kind of think you have to get used to, you know, having your greatest hits that you're like, I do this. I I solve this problem. And, you know, here's the proof elements in the case studies. So I know how to do this. Uh, I know I can do this for you. And then people are going to start to know you for that stuff. And then if you have an email list, like I always tell people this, like start your own email list. Even if you have no idea what you're doing, like, because you need to have that long-term anyway, like everybody needs, essentially, I think everybody needs to have an email list. So you might as well start on day one and maybe make that your thing that over the next two years, that's going to help you get the clients and you're not going to get them on the first month probably, but 
you know, over time you can monetize that list. You'll learn copy, you'll learn email copy, you'll learn about promos and offers and marketing strategy and getting traffic to your list and all that stuff. And you'll be able to do that for clients then. Yeah. I want to ask you about your list too, because uh, damn good emails, they're good emails. You send them every day. And I guess like, actually, let, let me ask about that. Like, how do you send an email every day? Like, how do you get yourself um, to do it? Because I remember reading an email from you. I don't remember when it was, but I think in the email, you you were talking about how like you had made a commitment to sending an email every single day for 100 days and that like you hit that goal and you were well past that, right? And, you, and I don't think there's a day that goes by that you don't send one. And you've really sort of developed your brand through this, like the, the damn good emails, damn good hustle. Uh, which is cool too. And I, I kind of want to know a little bit more about that sort of branding. But um, I guess first question is like, how do you develop that habit? Is there like, do you have any kind of ritual or like, is there a certainly, like I remember Jason Capital always used to say like, I get up and first thing I write an email with my green juice. Like, I don't know. I'm just curious. Is there anything like that for you? Or how do you get yourself to do that? Yeah, lately I've been sending them at night, but Usually, like historically, I like to get them done earlier in the day because then I'm not thinking about it all day. So there's pros and cons to thinking about it all day. One is by the time I actually get to the email, I've probably already crafted the email. Like I will, I can craft emails in my head when I'm just doing anything. Like I, I've noticed myself doing that lately. And I think that's a product of sending an email every day and having to write so many for my clients and having to write so much copy. And that that was something I was going to mention earlier is if you get into copywriting and you really don't have an affinity for writing, I'm going to disagree with what some of my mentors have said, which is you don't have to like writing. Well, you might have to do a lot of writing if you're a copywriter. So it, I think it helps me that I've enjoyed working with ideas and I don't always enjoy writing copy like really fast and having to crunch it and have these deadlines. But um, when, once you've gone through that, then it's easy to write an email because it's just an email and you, you practice that muscle of coming up with ideas and seeing ideas all around you, which some of my friends make fun of that because we'll see people in the industry who, you know, they'll kind of exploit the things in their life to write an email. And there's a slight element of that. Like, yeah, I got to take things from my life and turn it into a story or a lesson for my list. But some people, it can just be really ridiculous. And so, yeah, you should be aware. <laughs> you should be aware because if you get on our radar and and we think you're ridiculous, then, you know, we're, we're kind of poking some fun at you uh, privately. But uh there's an element of just like starting to see ideas for emails all around you and in your relationships. And, you know, I wrote one yesterday about my Kia getting smashed in. So you, you kind of just take yeah, stories I from your, read that. yeah. So you just take stories from your real life. And even if it doesn't connect to your product, that's fine. Just start, start seeing the stories, like the weird things that happen in your life um, as kind of jumping points where you can start an email and start telling a story because a lot of people, yeah, they are there for the tips and the value and whatever niche you're in. But a lot of them also just want to get sucked into a story and be entertained. So you don't have to be perfect, you know, at the beginning. And I haven't seen any copywriter that sent a perfect email every single day where I'm like, you know, damn, that's like, you know, my 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 company is called Damn Good Emails. So that is the standard. Every email should be a damn good email. But at the same time, like, 
you just learn over time, like just send your daily email and the results will come. Um, people are going to start to know who you are just because it's so rare and so strange in a good way to send a daily email. They know like you're consistent, you show up, even if you're sick or it's Thanksgiving or whatever, you're going to send your email. And that's a really good quality to have and to cultivate in yourself. Yeah. <laughs> I need to work on that. Um, <laughs> I feel like I, I always get into these habits of sending it and then I, and then I get out of it. You know, it's, it's kind of, do you feel like there's a, a point, like, is, is it like a commitment to like a certain amount of days that, you know, for you, was there a point where you were like, all right, there's no turning back now. Like I'm, this is a habit for me now. Yeah. I did talk about this in an email, but I started a spreadsheet where I put the date that I started and then I don't do it every day, but if you want to go in and do it every day, you can. But after you finish your task, it doesn't have to be a daily email. It could literally be any habit that you want to build. But I go into the spreadsheet and I change, you know, the end date and then I change like the number of days that I've done it in a row. So I saw it go from, you know, five days to 14. It's like the Snapchat streak. If you've ever used Snapchat, basically they gamify it. So you're gamifying your task and your habit. And on Snapchat, what they do is once you've snapped back and forth with somebody, every day that you do that, you build a streak. And when you log on to your Snapchat, it it tells you the number of days that you your streak is. So if you've snapped each other, you've sent videos back and forth for five days in a row, it says five next to their name and then it has like a flame or some other emoji. And then it'll even send you notifications as the day is winding down. It's like, you only got three hours left until your streak ends. And it sounds so ridiculous, but it induces anxiety in you. And you're like, it's just sending videos to somebody, but you're like, you're like, should I send it? Or should I just let the streak expire? And you're like freaking out. <laughs> and, um, so you can do the same thing for yourself. And I mean, I haven't set up notifications. I'm sure that would be really cool. And, stuff but just knowing that that spreadsheet's there and knowing that my streak's 90 days it's like dude there's no way i'm gonna go back to zero yeah that's a pretty good i like that that's good good advice what's the damn good you're branding like with damn good emails damn good hustle like where'd that come from you're the first person who has ever asked that and it came from a local austin restaurant which is now not local but it it was only local when i first moved here and it's called Torchies, Torchies Tacos. Yeah, um, I actually, I've had that before. <laughs> yeah, so probably a few years after I moved here, you know, it was like a viral hit in Austin, a big part of like Austin local culture. And then they started putting them in like Denver and Portland and Houston and everywhere else. You go, you walk in and there's the there's the little like fat little like devil, you know, with the because he's representing like the heat, I guess, like the heat of the tacos. Mm -hmm. And then it's it says damn good tacos. And when I first started my company, I thought that I was going to be helping local venues and local like musicians with their marketing. So I thought what's something that's local, that would like as soon as they saw it, they would, you know, be familiar with like the term and stuff. And then at the same time, you know, over time, I've realized how great of a name it is, because it puts it puts the outcome and like the promise in the company name, which so yeah. few people do. Like, I can't believe how bad copywriters are at like branding themselves. You know, like they don't put a benefit or a promise or an outcome in their offer names or their service names, you know, mm. what they're providing or in their company names. It's just really bad. So I'm like, yes, I got that right from the beginning. Uh, but yeah, that was inspired by 
by Torchy's Tacos. And uh, I haven't done it in a couple years, but I used to go on the weekends to Torchy's and just get their happy hour drinks and stuff. And, um, and just like post a photo of me working at the bar on my laptop. And I would say that damn good lifestyle. <laughs> nice. I mean, who doesn't want something that's not just good, but it's damn good, right? Mm, yeah. Cool. So you are also a musician. Yes. Actually, how how do you describe it? Because you're into hip hop. I know you you have many sort of, uh, I guess, talents, right? Like things that you do. Like I've seen you you post things like where you're at shows and stuff like that. Is it, do you do comedy too or like stand up or something? Or is it just the hip hop stuff? So I haven't personally started doing stand up as an artist, like as a comedian, I would like to, but um, I basically helped with the marketing for Joe Rogan's venue before he started his own venue. Uh, it's called Vulcan Gas Company. I helped them a little bit with marketing. And then I like was part of the door staff just so I could get free shows and like be part of, you know, the team and stuff. So I got to go see Joe Rogan and like hang out. And that was really cool. And then Joe Rogan actually opened his own venue called Com- Comedy Mothership. But for a good solid year, yeah, uh, almost every weekend or like regularly on the weekends, I was downtown, uh, you know, watching comedy. So I learned a lot about it and learned who a lot of the comedians are. And then, yeah, I know a lot of comedians that actually just met up with one that's he's a full time comedian, makes his full time income from it. And he is proposing a show at like one of the original comedy theaters in town before comedy became really big in Austin and everyone moved here. There were just like literally two or three theaters that, you know, comedy stuff was happening. And this is one of them. And uh, he wants to bring back like a Friday night showcase, like show lineup of comedians and have me be the DJ. Cause I DJ uh, and I've been DJing for like variety shows that include comedians. So the world's kind of collide a little okay. bit. Yeah. So you DJ and you rap. Mm-hmm. How'd you get into that? Like, how'd you first get into music? So my family's into music, not really, not really the way that I am, but I still feel like it was a really big part of my childhood. Like I grew up playing piano and violin and classical music. And I was a music minor at a really small, you know, conservative school. But I had friends, you know, that were into pop music and that, you know, wanted to go and record an album. And I started doing audio engineering at that school, too. Like they had a recording studio uh, at my first university. And so I got to like record my first song there that I wrote. And I actually recorded a song in high school in my friend's basement because he had become an audio engineer. And that was actually the inspiration for me to become an audio engineer. And I kind of do wish I had like you know, studied audio engineering and just gone on to do that. That's something I could have done here in Austin. Also, there was a school that I wanted to transfer to that had a really big audio engineering program and it just didn't end up working out. So I went to Baylor and they didn't have, you know, production or audio engineering. So I ended up studying digital media and like kind of film and digital media stuff. But yeah, I guess it's just been kind of a random, interesting journey. And I've always kind of like, kind of struggled to fully integrate it with my life completely, you know, and make it like the main thing in my life. I mean, there's still the possibility that, you know, I'll record an album and go do tours and stuff like that. I think it would be good for me to just do that and just see how it goes and see how I like it. Because I've recorded a lot of like 
songs, but I have never released my own just full project. So that's still on the horizon. I'm still thinking about doing that. That's cool. Is that something you've wanted to do for a while? Like, have you had that dream? Yeah, I have. And, you know, if I could go back in time, just knowing like the hustle and the grind it takes, you know, I I don't think I would have been spread out so much amongst different interests and different jobs and stuff. But, you know, it is what it is. It's been a great part of my life. And it's a really special part of my life. You know, I love hip hop music. And I've also had my own hip hop blog. I didn't really talk about that earlier, but I was trying to monetize that blog too, because I had that one before I got into copywriting. My first client, my first marketing client I ever got was before I knew copywriting. And it was a guy that paid me $150 to promote his SoundCloud account and get him followers on SoundCloud. He was a rapper from New York. So my first paying marketing client was actually doing like SoundCloud marketing. And I was going to try to create an offer, you know, and have other people pay me to do that. But I just didn't know how to, you know, build a funnel for that and stuff. It's interesting. I wonder, like with everything you know about marketing and everything that you're doing now, that has to intersect at some point. Like you can use that to maybe to, you know, to grow the music side of your career. That's cool, though. I think that's something that's unique. Like a lot of people... I think a lot of people in this space have, and that's something that's cool about digital entrepreneurship too. Like most people I feel like in this space have these other kind of things going on too. You know, it's not that they're just a copywriter, but I can't think of anyone else though that's in hip hop though. Like who, who, or I shouldn't say in hip hop, who is like a, an actual hip hop artist in our space. Are you, are you down to, to rap for us? Yeah, let's do it. All right. Monica is gonna reach the peak, the pinnacle. I peaked your interest, had to take a peek. Cynical, weak sentences, none in my steep penmanship. Deep blemishes, meet nemesis, me spitting sick. It's Christmas, mom, I'll come the homeless, can't just get a job. My wishlist rocks, get what I want, don't give it all. We sit appalled at the ones on Jordan, Pippin Strong. You can't get rid of scars, but you can still be sitting tall. I piss them off when my missile launch, not kidding, dog. This mission's possible. Plus, I got the dishes washed. Listen, y'all, the clock on the wall is ticking off. We need to get our asses up like we was kicking soccer balls. All these hip hoppers, y'all must be kidding me. Quit with dancing your noggin. Take over tentatively. Sit and see, send some beats, pen with ink. Like I said, dishes is washed. I'm cleaning all but the kitchen sink. Yeah. Damn. <laughs> you did that on the interview when we interviewed you for to write with our agency. Yeah, um, I did. Yeah, that's why you got the job. <laughs> No, that's funny. That's that's awesome. My other client, Chris, also, I don't know that he hired me because I rapped for him, but he's brought it up so many times. But I also, I went in his studio and I rapped for him. And he's like, when you spit that freestyle, I knew who you were. I saw your soul. (laughs) And and, (laughs) Yeah, um, I mean. Yeah, so I guess this is, see, I have all these weird strategies of getting clients. Like, let me show off my weird creative skills and stuff. And then people are impressed by it. And, you know, they like your personality and they like, you know, all these other talents that you have. So that's something you can do through your email list and through, you know, just being yourself and be vocal about your interests and your talents and like show them off. Because, yeah, I think I've gotten two like long-term jobs, you know, not solely, but I assume, you know, that's not literally the only reason why that someone would hire me but it helps it it really adds an element yeah and it's it's about putting yourself out there too and kind of like 
just you do stand out when you're kind of like open and and like you like putting yourself out there in front of people like that because i remember when you know our agency hasn't like hired a ton of people over the years but like when we first started doing that like well first off your email i think you emailed us cold or you emailed me i was trying to find it i thought maybe that's not how it happened but i thought like i had an email and i remember i saved it because i was like when we need someone i'm going to go back to her because i forget what you said but something kind of stood out and then uh i remember i i asked you uh if you wanted if you were interested you know we could do an interview and then yeah you freestyled for us on the or i don't know if it's freestyle or i wrote it but i mean freestyle has different meanings so i mean it could still be considered a freestyle. When you did that, it kind of stood out. And I I was like, yeah, no, she definitely belongs on our team. But people, you know, people, I think they, they don't in this kind of like digital space, especially when you're like interviewing for call it a gig or, you know, a, a project or a position like you're on a Zoom call right on the Internet. You're sitting in your home and it's kind of a different thing. Like we don't go into these like job interviews, like, you know, dressing up and walking into an office somewhere at a conference table and sitting down with someone. But I don't know. I feel like sometimes people kind of take advantage of it or they kind of, they feel a little too, they don't take it seriously, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Um, I think it's definitely good to have something that like you can use to kind of stand out, but I'll never forget the first person I interviewed for a uh for a position with our agency writing copy he actually pooped on the interview uh yes <laughs> like and not even like like not accidentally that that's it was the weirdest um it was i'll never forget it and i still have the video of this which is the weirdest part like it's because it, it was a zoom recording but like the screen opened up like it, first of all first it came up like just his name not like the microphone like it was just the microphone but not the camera and then i'm just sitting there like he he flashes the cat like he opens the camera and i see like this weird like kind of background where i'm like where, like where is he and then he literally goes um yeah i'm sorry like uh I know like this is a time for the interview, but like, I, I just, I'm going to the bathroom. Like I have to go to the bathroom real quick and I'm just sitting there like, all right, <laughs> like that's okay. What do you want? And he was like, all right, just one second. And he turns the camera off, but he leaves the microphone on. And oh, so no. you can literally hear him. Like you just hear him pooping on, on the interview. And then he, I had to sit there through this. And then he came back and did the rest of his interview in this bathroom stall. Um, Wow. That's crazy. It is. And I always wonder, like, I've never, I I don't tell people about this often. There's like three other people uh, that, that know about this. And I've shown the video too, to a couple of people, but I've been told, (laughs) like, if you put that out, like that'll be instantly viral. And I was like, I don't want to do that though, because like this is a person like you might know him like he's in our space like he's out there so i was like i don't know if i, I mean maybe if one day i want to blackmail him for it but I, I i don't know this guy you know what i mean but he didn't get the job um i think it's it's definitely like yeah if you can do something like rapping i think it's a lot more uh enjoyable i think it's you know good for both parties 
I thought you were saying that he did it as like a pattern interrupt and like it went really well. And then I was thinking like the poopery ad and like all that type of stuff. <laughs> and but then nah. when you said when you when you said like you accidentally left the mic on, I was like, oh god, that sounds really gross. Oh, it was horrible. Uh, it was it was like one of the the most. It probably was like the most awkward situation I've ever been in. Definitely on a Zoom call. But yeah, I think if he had sold it that way though. You know, if he had sold it as like this was intentional, maybe it would have worked, but he didn't even try. I think he was just embarrassed. But uh, if that was me, I would have just sent a message and said, I need five minutes. I'll, you know, is it okay? I'm sorry. I, I run in five minutes late, but this kid just, I don't know. It was, <laughs> it's a weird, weird thing. Anyway, um, let's see what else. Uh, so I think kind of what I wanted to, you know, I wanted to bring up the the you know hip hop and everything because it's to me like when I look at you I think you're a good representation really a great representation of how being in the internet marketing space being a direct response copywriter does give you sort of this freedom uh to also pursue your other more creative passions and sort of like develop those things. Do you feel like that's, you know, is that accurate? Does it kind of give you that freedom or is it almost like a, you know, is it hard to blend those things? I think it just depends. For example, like I think of Sean Ferris as a great model of this because he, I know that he struggled with his first businesses, but I guess after he joined M Email Income Experts with JC, you know, he really took off and, you know, didn't have any problem with client acquisition. And then he was able to start coaching and teaching that like right away. And uh, I think he had been a DJ, you know, a musician that whole time. I don't know how long he had been doing that, but that was his big goal was to, you know, be able to do his music business. And I think that if you have your business elements in place and it's not taking all your time and, you know, you're making enough income to be able to go pursue the other stuff, then it's amazing. And you have more freedom than you would in a nine to five. However, if you don't have that, if you don't have that success in your business and you're struggling to get clients, then, you know, having a nine to five, I know a lot of artists and creatives around who have nine to fives and then they do their creative stuff. So I think best case scenario, yes, it is better for sure than having a nine to five. However, you know, worst case scenario, if you got to have a nine to five to invest in your business and then you get your business going and you can quit your nine to five and you have your business more automated and then you have more time to develop your creative stuff. Otherwise, it's just kind of a shit show with trying to schedule everything. And if you want to date and have a relationship and, you know, be a, a creative and be an entrepreneur and, you know, drive Uber or have a, a, a more traditional job. It's, it's a lot. And that's, that is kind of where damn good hustle comes from. It's like, sometimes that's what you got. I mean, what else are you going to do if you've either got to focus on certain things and prioritize them and everything else is on the back burner for now, or you got to, you've got to maximize your time or do overtime. You know, there's, mm -hmm. there's just no other way around it sometimes. When you look ahead, what's sort of your, what's sort of your dream? Like, is it, you know, do you, do you want to, I guess it could be in even actually like, is there a dream like client or 
sort of something in this space and then also like outside of that like what's sort of your ultimate goal so i've been saying for quite a while my goal is to run a hip-hop label and at this point now that i know more about acquisitions or i just know people who have acquired businesses i may just try to acquire an existing label rather than try to build it from scratch and i had someone recently asked me you know with your label is it going to be to promote yourself or to promote other people and I had never really thought about, you know, me, me just not doing music and trying to promote myself and just focusing solely on finding other artists and promoting them. But I think deep down, I would like to release my music, have a following, you know, promote other artists, help other artists, sign them to my label or figure out some sort of, you know, collaborative promotion experience or something. Because, you know, labels aren't as necessary as they used to be. So I'm not trying to get into it to make money and have some big music empire necessarily. But, you know, that's one of my dreams is to have a label, to have hip hop magazine uh, or a publication if, if it's just online. And then to do that internationally and to have a publication for like every major country that has where I can actually hire writers who are authentically part of that scene and speak the language and can actually like you know give a really good product and, and you know have a really good publication so but you know sometimes you think you want something and then you you're like well this is actually a lot of work and instead I just want to scale my business and then go spend more time you know with my partner or or making just making music for myself and not building a label you know and mm -hmm. not not building a blog so we'll see but those yeah. are kind of all things in the mix I've always kind of wanted to be a writer and write either novels or short stories so that might be something I do more and go take a course or you know go study with somebody and get mentorship on that so I may just want to explore my interests and that is my favorite thing about this whether you're successful or not in terms of like making the money you need you do have that freedom. Like if you don't have a nine to five, you can choose to spend it the way you want. You may not be spending it on your business, but you might be studying something else or, or working on something else that you really like. And then if you get to the point where you run out of money, then you gotta you've gotta focus on your business and getting that cash flow. But you know, I've spent time, you know, just writing short stories and like, you know, fiddling around with other stuff that I want to do. Who are some of your um like biggest influences in the music space? So there's a Christian artist named Toby Mac, and he's kind of representative of people all across the board in probably mainly in hip hop who they just really stood for like what was important to them, regardless of like what everyone else was doing. Like back in the 80s, because um, he was in college in like the early 80s and he grew up in D.C., so he was around a very diverse, you know, scene um, and like an early hip hop scene. And then he goes to college and he's, you know, he's around people that don't have that experience and like they didn't go to hip hop shows. And so, you know, the Christian music scene is it wasn't accepting of hip hop. So he had a really hard time with that. But he ended up finding a way in the early 90s to, you know, fuse hip hop with pop and become a massive Christian uh, hit. And then they actually crossed over into the mainstream and then he's had his own solo career. So that ability to like take, take concepts and themes and like impact culture and impact like subcultures and stuff through music. 
you know, I can think of a lot of other examples that aren't necessarily religious. Like there's a rapper named Snow the Product. She's done that and she's done it with as being a Mexican. Both of her parents were undocumented immigrants. And so she tells that experience growing up like that, uh, you know, as the child of undocumented immigrants and being LGBT and talks about stuff like that and has her own label. Basically, these these artists, these rappers that started their own labels or really were just like, I'm doing this and, you know, this is important to me. And like, even if it's not popular with everybody else, I'm going to find the people who resonate with that and make content for them. So uh, Lecrae is another big one. He's also a, a gospel rapper. I'm trying to think who else. Logic. He came up independently as well. Um, so yeah, yeah just, logic. yeah. And I, I get really into their marketing, right? So I actually dig and look for articles on like before they signed their deal or their uh, distribution deal on what they did with their marketing in order to create the buzz to, you know, get the attention. Cause at one point they were nobodies too. Like Logic has talked about, like, I remember when I was practicing my signature, you know, and I didn't have a single fan and it's like, that's everybody's reality at one point. So you know, whatever it is that you want to do, it's daunting. It can be, but everyone that you look up to had a, a day where they were, you know, they were just like you. Another rapper that I like a lot is NF. He's kind of seen as like a clone of, of Eminem. That's what some people call him, but he's also got his own label. So nice. People, people like that. Yeah. I felt like I, I heard a little bit, a little bit of Eminem, maybe a little bit of logic in your, uh, in your rapping. But that's cool. Very cool. Um, so so what do you got going on like late? Like what's coming up? What's uh any upcoming projects or like I know you've been interviewing a lot of people in the the space, you've been doing a lot of podcast interviews and stuff. Anyone big coming up or any other, you know, projects coming up? Well, my goal is to get, you know, like Hormozy on the show. I haven't recorded any since, you know, before Thanksgiving, but I'm thinking about uploading them and putting them in my school group and possibly having like a premium podcast for people. What other projects? Yeah, I'm working on this funnel, this social funnel with Zach Zeller and Donovan LaSaint. Uh, They both have done extensive work with Jason Capital. So I'm hoping, you know, that I can pick up consulting clients here in the first couple of months of the year and kind of scale that. And then if some of them end up being like done for you clients and I can charge more or possibly you know, collaborate with you guys on that. I was going through email accelerator stuff today and I was like, I'm, I'm probably going to have more questions for the email agency mm-hmm. on e-com marketing cool. stuff. So it's great to have you guys as a resource and be part of your group and your team because a lot of people don't have that. So they're very lost and confused. And even if they got the client, you know, they're going to be like, what do I do now? Yeah, for sure. I, I appreciate that. And you've you've got a group to Damn Good Hustle, which uh, is that's a free group, right? Anybody can join Damn Good Hustle. Yes. Awesome. How, what's like what's the big idea behind the group? Like what's the big thing there? Well, it started off being called Side Hustle Central. And it's so OK. So the beginning of this year, I got on TikTok and started making content about side hustles. And it really took off. Like I was talking about ChatGPT. I think it was just a mixture, a mixture of that being such a hot topic in like February, March that I, I had multiple videos with half a million views. And 
I'm savvy enough to know how to have an opt into my email list, you know, in my in my profile, which is missing. A lot of people just don't actually have anyone sign up for their email list. But I did. And I racked up like 2000 subscribers in two weeks, which is crazy. And yeah. And so I sold like I just put together like a training on like side hustles and using chat GPT and I got like 20 sales over the two weeks that I did that. And it was really low ticket, but it was really nice. Um, I mean, it was a lot of work, you know, in a short period of time. And that was the foundation of that group because I hosted the content and still host the content inside of inside of that school group. And I called it Side Hustle Central. And then my friend, Dan, who is now very busy running his new med spa that he acquired so I've been trying to learn a little bit about acquisitions from him, but he acquired a, a med spa and a salon that's doing like nearly 1 million revenue a year. So uh, he's he took over the operations for that. So anyway, he's really busy, but he was uh, talking to me about, you know, running an accelerator, like a side hustle accelerator to help you take your side hustle and make it your main hustle, which I think would be kind of cool, actually. Now that I now that we're not actually moving forward with that right now, anyway. Um, it's a pretty cool idea, but, you know, just playing around with different ideas. And then I, uh, we were trying to figure out what to call it and what to name it. And I just, I listed off a bunch of things and we're like, no. And then I was like, damn good hustle. And, and he was like, yeah, damn good hustle. I like it. Yeah. What's the, like, why should people join? What's, what's in that group? So I post exclusive content that I don't post anywhere else. And I'll like repost things that I've read that are really helpful so I get amazing stuff in my email in- inbox all the time. And I'm like, other people need to read this. This is amazing. And uh, I can't believe they gave this away for free. So, you know, I try to write emails that are like that from, you know, maybe not every email has that much strategy in it or like, you know, tips or value in terms of like, you could go make a lot of money with this right now. But I do try to bring that value with my emails. But yeah, I'll pass that along to my group. Um, There's also a free mini course in there. It's called the Hustle Cheat Codes. And it's just how to get a client. Um, If you're struggling to get clients, even if you have experience and you have case studies, I know a ton of people that have really amazing experience, but they're not really good at client acquisition or they relied on word of mouth and referrals and they all dried up and they're like, "I, I need clients. So just giving them strategies based on cold outreach, DM outreach, stuff that whether you're a newbie or advanced, you know, you can still, you sh- you can and you should still be doing it to a degree. It's always effective. So uh, what else, you know, talking about email strategy and marketing strategy and, you know, how to write basic email copy and stuff like that. That's all part yeah. of the mini course and that's free. It's about two hours long. And then uh, I do have the full course in there like the hustle cheat codes but i honestly haven't been promoting that um you know i'm not sure if i'm gonna like gonna promote that or if people can just ask ask if they want it and i can send them the the link to buy it or whatever but it's basically a group of like you know cheat hustle cheat codes people who are either trying to make money online and they're new to it or their experience i mean we have zach zeller in there we have uh craig ballantyne's lead coach in there we have Greg Johnson, who runs the email magic newsletter and is like freaking baller at email marketing. Um, I can't even think of who else we have in there, but we've got like some real rock stars. Yeah. Uh, I mean, in there, we've got that, you in there. 
that stuff is like super um, valuable. I think, especially for people who are just, you know, trying to get their first client or their second client or really up to like their 14th client or something, you know, it's like these things are, are, I think a lot of people feel like I, you know, I can't do this because in order to build a business and get clients, I have to first spend money to learn how to do this. And so they don't do it because they're like, well, I want to make money, but first I have to spend money and I don't have extra income for that. So I think that the fact that you're providing these sort of, uh, you know, cheat codes, you mentioned like the, what was that, the the mini course called the startup hustle? Yeah, I think it's it? the, uh, just the hustle cheat codes mini course. Uh, okay. That like it's that sounds like super valuable stuff for people who who want to learn more about this. Is it is that something we can uh, link to where they can you know join that the group? Yes. So if you sign up for my email list, then you'll get a welcome email, and either in the welcome email or the second email you get after that, I don't remember right now, but um, you'll get all that sent to your inbox. Uh, you can send people directly to the group too. It's school.com slash damn good hustle. I would prefer if people were also on my email yeah. list and that's damn good emails, www.damngoodemails.com. Yeah, that's definitely, that'll be the, the, um, you know, the link right underneath this interview. I'm on Rochelle's email list. I can vouch for the fact that, uh, that it's not false advertising. They are indeed damn good emails and, uh, they are every day. And, um, and I haven't read one that didn't blow my mind. So I, I definitely recommend signing up for Rochelle's email list. And that's at damngoodemails.com. We're going to link to that in the description. Um, and we'll also link to Rochelle's uh, social media as well. So you can follow her. What's your main? Is it Facebook or Instagram? Yeah. So I'm rebranding my Instagram to target seven figure e-com brands. But honestly, oh, okay. like, honestly, that's if you go in and go and watch what I'm doing, you can probably learn a lot because that I'm following Zach Zeller's method on there. So if you like actually break down what I'm doing, that might be more helpful. Uh, but anyway, that's Instagram.com slash Rochelle C. Davis. Well, definitely recommend signing up for that um, and get some damn good emails in your inbox. Rochelle, thank you so much for doing this interview. This was a lot of fun. I learned a lot. And I think your story is is very relatable to a lot of people out there, especially people who are listening to this podcast or, you know, just, you know, trying to to find uh, just more information on what's out there in terms of, of online business and kind of going against the grain a little bit in terms of what maybe the the norm is in society for for career and otherwise so really happy to have you on um this has been great we'll definitely do this again sometime just like jason capital says keep fucking going <laughs> awesome thanks thanks